Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Chapter 8 of Aristotle's Categories is quite lengthy, and he's engaging in some very important analyses in terms of a category that we translate typically as quality. He uses two terms for this when he's listing off the categories. He calls it topoion, that's sort of the neuter substantive, you know, sort of an abstract conception. And then uh, poiotes is a particular quality or, or quality in general, but understanding something to be a quality like the blackness of the tie, the purpleness of the shirt, the you know flexibility of the hand, the hardness of the ring, and so on and so forth. So when Aristotle first characterizes quality, he talks in terms that might make it seem as if what we're looking at is primarily human beings. And in fact, human beings are really the paradigmatic example for most of the qualities in his work. He is particularly interested in quality in part because it has to do with moral attributes as well as, you know, sort of physical, sensible attributes we can talk about. So he'll characterize it. This isn't defining it, but characterize it as that by which people are called such and such. And the reason we say people there, or in this translation, men, is because he's using tines in the Greek, which, which is masculine. But the key thing here is he's saying qualities, I say, are those things in accordance with katein, poioi, something is called such and such. Something is said to have a certain property or to have a certain quality or in any of these forms that we're going to look at in just a moment. Now, this covers a very, very wide range. So then I mean, we can talk about the book having qualities like, for example, being green. You know, there's certain of these things that we can't say that the book actually has. The book doesn't have a habit or a disposition, but the book does have certain natural capacities, passive qualities and figure and form, right? We can say that the book is rectangular, for example, or that it composes. Well, we can say that it, well, it's book shape, right? <laughs> We can predicate that of it. Now, that would be its substance. But then when you say, okay, book, now we say hardcover book, right? Or cloth bound book or book in the Loeb library series or any of these sorts of things. We are qualifying it. We're saying what kind of thing it is, what attributes it has, not in terms of its essence or its substance itself, but in terms of all the other things that we want to say about it. And some of those are extremely important. This is not something that Aristotle discusses here in the categories as such, but there are certain qualities that are so specific to something that you could say they're close to its essence or they're almost essential to it. They're not quite essential to it. That's a topic for another time. Now, Aristotle is going to run through in the early part of this long chapter eight, multiple ways. And he's going to distinguish, he says, four that we can talk about something as having a quality. 
And here, we're not just talking about figures of speech, we're talking about making something like metaphysical distinctions between different ways in which something can be such and such, can have a quality, and then we can speak about it as having such a quality. So the first one that he talks about is habit and disposition. And like I was saying, this really does you know, apply most to human beings. Because if you look at the examples of habits that he gives, he talks about virtues and vices, that is determinate modes of goodness and badness in a moral sense. Arete, goodness, coming from agathos, right? And kakia, coming from kakos, bad vice, badness, right? So these are types of habits, Aristotle says, hexes, things that are stable within ourselves. And we're going to talk more about this at greater length in, uh, in another video. Dispositions are something that are not quite as stable as habits. We can talk about somebody being disposed to do something. I am, you know, for example, I don't make a habit of it, but I am, because I, I don't pay all that much attention to what I'm doing, I'm somewhat disposed to getting chalk on my shirt from rubbing up against the board, right? And we'll talk about that more in uh, another video, as I said. Actually, for each of these, we will do that. Natural capacity. The word here, dunamis fusike. This is something that we have as part of our nature. Some translations will talk about this as being inborn. That's not that bad of a translation. Aristotle uses the example of somebody having a natural talent for various things like boxing, for example or good boxers, good runners. He also talks about some people being naturally healthy, having a good constitution, we say, or naturally diseased, naturally sickly. So natural capacities or incapacities. What would be an example of an incapacity? Being sickly, right? Being clumsy could be an example of a natural incapacity, right? Because its opposite would be I don't know, something like dexterousness, right? And clumsiness would be something that a person has. We could also talk about mental capacities in this respect, although it turns out that in many respects, those are quite malleable, right? As even the ancient Greeks knew, what we do in terms of habits really has a big impact on what natural capacities or incapacities develop into in concrete circumstances. I should mention as well, going back to habit and disposition, that another thing that Aristotle talks about as habit is knowledge. He conceives of knowledge when we actually do have knowledge as opposed to mere information or you know just having a random experience. But when we really know something, really understand it, we have a firmly established conception of it and perhaps what we often talk about is skill sets within our, our mind, something that's not easily eroded. For, think about, for example, learning a language. You don't necessarily have to practice it every single day to still have that habit in, in your mind. I'll, I'll give you another great example of how these two might you know, sort of intersect. Think about musical talent, right? If you learn an instrument, some people are naturally better at learning instruments. Some people have, for example, perfect pitch, which can be quite useful. Other people may have other things. They can sort of visualize, you know, if you're playing the guitar or the keyboard, it's very useful to be able to visualize music theory concepts in your, your mind, even if you may not understand it as music theory. But then there's the actual practicing, and that's how you build your, your capacity. So for example, I haven't played bass guitar in any sort of way for close to 20 years. But when I pick up my old bass that I 
gave to my daughter, some of the songs and some of the scales and some of the, not riffs, but licks and bass fills that I learned way back then that I acquired as a habit come, come naturally to me. So you could say music, natural talent or <laughs> lack of talent, right? And then we can talk about the uh, ability to play as being a kind of knowledge, a kind of habit that's been developed. Then Aristotle talks about a third type of quality. This he devotes a lot of discussion to. So I'm, I'm only going to go and scratch the surface here. We have what he calls passive qualities, patheticae poiotetes. And this is a bit of a misnomer in some respects, because he's talking about things that can be, for example, perceived. So when we talk about taste, right, the bitterness of coffee, the fattiness of the, the, the milk or creamer that we add to it, the sweetness of the sugar that we sweeten it with, all of these sorts of things would be passive qualities. They, that is, they can produce a pathos, a affection or a sensation in somebody else. So those are all quite important. And then he also talks about what's being translated sometimes as affections or another way of translating it would be the, the emotions. You know, when he talks about, for example, a person who feels fear turning white, a person who feels shame turning red, those are affections of the body. He says there's also affections in the same sense of the soul. The last one that he talks about is figure or, or schema in Greek. It's the word that we get schematics from. Another thing you could, structure is another way you could translate it, and form or morphe. Not like a platonic form, but Aristotle's conception of form as it exists in matter or perhaps in our minds, right? So those are also qualities. And he, he gives example of something being triangular, right? Or if you think about an example that Aristotle likes to use in other places, the bronze circle, right? The circularity of it is a form, a schema, a structure, a uh, you know, another word we could use is pattern. It's pattern. It's type, right? So all of these are qualities that something can have. The last thing that I want to bring up in this particular discussion is that he says that the names of qualified things, that is things to which qualities are attributed, are often derived from qualities. So for example, we can take the word grammar, right? And, and then we can say grammatical, meaning somebody has learned grammar, right? And then grammarian, the person who has the knowledge of grammar as a habit would be derived from the quality of grammatical, which itself would be derived as well as we, we saw in an earlier example. White, right? Whiteness. We could talk about flavor profiles as a great example of this. You know, when we class things together, oh, for example, when we talk about the sweet as an entire range of different things, we're deriving that from the quality of sweetness. So Aristotle also says some things we don't actually have in that sense. Uh, we don't have names for all of these, but we could supply names if we wanted to. And you'll often see Aristotle coming up with names. So the category of quality contains a lot of different types and each of them requires some discussion. And Aristotle does devote you know, a good portion of of the categories, that is chapter eight, to discussing precisely these four types. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. 
You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.